0: Hello and welcome to our ESG series of Instant Insights. I'm Amalia Maiden. I am Martina Raveni. And welcome to part two of this ESG mini-series. Over the past few months, we've been touring the UK's ESG-focused conferences and we want to use this episode to bring you some of our key highlights and takeaways.
1: Amalia, back in September, you traveled to Birmingham to attend the Energy, Fuel and Decarbonisation
0: Expo. What was the conference about? So this event covered many topics such as sustainable waste management, circular economy and industrial decarbonisation. However, one of the core messages was that good policy will drive change. And this resonated strongly with the messages that our previous guest, Simon Mundy, spoke about in our last ESG episode. You you said that good policy will drive change. Can you expand on this further? Yeah, of course. Businesses are currently looking to the government for regulatory stability particularly around decarbonisation timelines and requirements. And unfortunately, stability is not what we're seeing, particularly as the topic of environmental regulation and climate change have become politically charged ahead of the upcoming national elections.
1: Uh, uh, we will come on this topic of regulation more in a bit because I also attended a conference which looked at the ESG regulation in the UK And I actually heard some positive messages about changes and approaches that are in the works. But for now, what do you think businesses should be looking to do?
0: Well, In light of the quite turbulent UK climate strategy landscape, businesses should be looking to improve their carbon literacy, particularly regarding their specific industry or business type, before developing any corporate strategies. Higher management teams and decision makers who focus on developing well-rounded understandings of current and future climate threats to their business and the regulatory pipelines for their sector will improve their company's chances of success in the long run. Yeah, sure. not. that's interesting. And any personal takeaways? Well, I think my key takeaway from this conference is that sustainable readiness equals opportunity. There is a strong need for companies to transition away from just thinking of decarbonisation and ESG as a box ticking exercise and instead consider this sustainable revolution as an opportunity to take steps to prepare their businesses for the future. There's so much opportunity to collect and analyse data around your business's carbon footprint, and this can be used to help identify any barriers that the business might <laughs> currently face in its path to net zero. Thanks, Amalia. And like I said, this leads quite
1: nicely into my next conference I went to, the Tech and Net Zero conference based in London.
0: Tech Net Zero. Now that's a coupling that provides hope to so many. So what did this conference cover?
1: The conference was about looking forward to COP28, uh, the role that each sector covers in decarbonising the wider economy, how they're approaching decarbonization the and, and all the problems that they have faced. And yet, yeah, just to follow up on what you said before, I heard some of the key regulatory and policy developments impacting tech, including an overview of the latest climate-related regulations, greenwashing, and green claims, and yeah, also disclosure requirements for tech. In general, uh, the main take was that we are seeing an increase of policy and regulations impacting business climate strategies. And the the point that I got from the speakers is that we are starting to see a nice and consistent message around these ESG regulatory standards. And they went through various of these, like the current um, streamlined energy carbon reporting, or the task force on climate-related financial disclosures, but also on future ones, such as European Sustainability Reporting Standards. So many of them, I don't know how many of our listeners know them, I won't explain uh, further, but yes, that's a lot on the plate at the moment.
0: Interesting that you mentioned the European Sustainability Reporting Standards. It seems that many are currently looking to Europe as the pioneer for sustainable regulation. So was this conference specifically targeted at the UK or was it taking a more wider global view? A mix of both, I'd
1: say, but mainly targeted um, at the UK. And the main point was that the UK government approach is, they say, strong and engaging. So because the government is asking for quantitative regulations on on emissions, and this is really important. And just to add on this, another point that was that comparability in the reporting is not easy at all because the quality of them is varied and not all companies are on the same page at the moment. And that's a big issue. I know that another more, may I say effective way to to measure is comparing a company's target against its own emissions over time. And that's really how you can understand if you are really improving your emissions and if you are really improving your emission targets or not.
0: Well, this is interesting because on the point of measuring emissions, you also went to the London Climate Technology Show last month. Yeah, I went. So could you talk to us about this conference and how technology can be used to help companies meet these regulatory standards?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Indeed, I went to the London Climate Technology Show and an interesting presentation I want to flag is the one that John Abel, which is the technical director of Google Cloud delivered. Uh, basically, you talk about Google sustainability strategy and its close connection with AI. So first of all, with, you need to think that there are a huge amount of data una- that are unaccessible without AI, and we need the tech to assist us to understand them. And uh, um, he told us how to mitigate CO2 emissions of those large-scale AI powered data centers that Google is using. And also uh, it went through the fact that Google data centers are like 1.5 more energy efficient than the typical data center. Why why is happening this? And it gave some sort of tips, I would say. First, do and heavy use of carbon neutral energy data centers so those one powered by renewables energy use specialized processors like GPU so make it make sure you use an AI accelerator um, and use AI use this technology managing these data centers like monitor every minutes every day to see the energy usage for example uh, again another point was the use of AI powered assistance systems to optimize your workload, especially when working with large data sets. And finally is a public cloud because yeah, it's more efficient basically.
0: I mean, that's interesting. These are some good um, points of point starting points for businesses to be looking to. How does the data fit into this? How can this be in, used and enhanced more? Yeah, so
1: basically he highlighted the importance of spatial data Uh, as a valuable resource that we have, like use Google Earth, um, like use Google Maps to look upstream in the supply chain to measure scope three emissions, like forest uh, reforestation, so regrowth program basically, and use your own data, add this public available data from Google engine, use open public data, like for example, UK has a lot and freely available them, and then use the AI use generated data to generate new insights. Uh, now this generative AI technology is said you don't have to be a deep tech savvy but now the tech is available to all. Just think about how you can develop your your own code even if you're not an expert. So that's an exciting era.
0: Yeah and I think it's quite interesting. Obviously this has come from a Google perspective um, yeah. as a speaker. However, it's definitely something where there are a lot of technologies and a lot of companies starting up in this space that will definitely be able to help with supporting using this ESG-related data.
1: And from this month,
0: Amalia, were there any new conferences that we can learn from? Well, just the other week I attended the Blue Earth Summit in Bristol, and this was a particularly interesting conference because it focused on supporting environmentally conscious businesses, particularly in the startup space, and discussed how they can grow and develop whilst maintaining a strong focus on nature regeneration and sustainable practices. The keynote speaker here was Professor David Olusoga, who is often referred to as Britain's leading thinker on community and belonging. Now, this is a topic that we don't normally delve into quite so much, but the social side of ESG is also really important because he spoke about the inequalities that minority groups across the UK experience when connecting to nature and the importance of nature connectedness for improving national engagement in protecting our planet. That's a really, really interesting topic. What did he say? Well, quite honestly, he delivered some truly shocking facts. First was that the UK has ranked lowest in nature connectedness out of the 14 largest countries across Europe. And this suggests that as a nation, we're severely disconnected from our national surroundings compared to where we could be and where we should be. And then on top of this, despite people with ethnic minority backgrounds representing 14% of Britain's population, a number which is expected to double by 2050, this group only represents a mere 1% of visitors to the UK's national parks. This highlights the severe inequality across the UK for the demographic groups in terms of access and opportunity to engage with their natural environment. And it poses the question of if as a nation we're not connected with nature how can we make the personal behavioral changes and sacrifices that we're expected to make to help protect it?
1: No indeed that's a good point and this is really a concerning trend that we are seeing uh, not only the UK but let me say around the world and particularly with the I'm thinking about mass urbanization that's occurring in many developing nations also. So please then tell me that you heard of any suggestion of how these issues can be tackled.
0: Yeah. So a key driver for social change in this digital world that we're in is the use of media to engage with wider audiences. And this was a topic that's not only come up at this conference, but at several others that I've been to. We had Danielle Mulder, the global sustainability director from the BBC who talked about the Blue Planet Effect. Blue Planet Effect, what is it? So this is the term used for the wave of increased environmental awareness and social action to reduce plastic pollution that was generated as a consequence from airing the series of Blue Planet 2 on the BBC. In the series, just 14 minutes out of the seven hours of footage was focused on plastic pollution, but it was able to engage with viewers on a personal level and in a way that we hadn't ever seen before. It created a change in the behaviours and attitudes of the UK population and triggered the government to respond through regulation and policy to make changes. It's understandable that in a time when mass engagement and commitment to environmental change is declining, many people working in the sustainability and green transition space are looking back to key moments of success in the past to learn how we can create more effective social engagement and change for the future.
1: Yeah, maybe harnessing learnings from
0: this could be key to creating further climate change action in the future. Very much so. And I think maybe this is a topic that we'll explore in more depth in future episodes. Of course. Thanks for listening to this week's ESG episode. And we'll see you next time.